for 10 years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. On a beautiful Arizona Saturday morning, good morning, all of Arizona. What a gorgeous spring we have had. Thank you for tuning in to Rosie on the House. And it's been beautiful for our electric bills as well. Anybody that's using power uh, or not independent off the grid. Been pretty nice. Only two 100-degree day. Or, or did Friday? I don't remember. We might have gotten a third one in this week. Uh and, and we're less than a month away from the summer solstice. Got to love it, right? Got to love it. I guess the earliest we've ever hit 100 was in March. And I can remember, <laughs> you know, after living here for 45 years, I can remember a lot of very, very hot marches. But I would have to tell you the last few springs have been particularly nice. And this one has just been absolutely delicious. Uh, and it's pretty well all across the West. I was talking to a friend in Denver who was in the middle of a whiteout. And was trying to get up to a ski resort, but the roads were closed. That was the last week of May. (laughs) So everybody's enjoyed it. People always want to know about their power bill. And I can tell you this, that if you get the power bill you received in May, which was for the power you consumed in April, generally speaking, April 2019 your power bill is what we call the base load. Chances are, if you're below the Mogollon Rim, you did not have any heat on, you did not have any air conditioning on, and that's what it costs you to run electricity in your house for a month with no conditioning of the in- indoor environment. That's computers, lights, cooking, swimming pool, TV, and what have you. April's bill. You can also pull out your cost of electricity used out of your bill if you've got an APS one. And that will tell you the dollar amount for that month as well. And our point on this whole, I guess I should start by saying June 1st. <laughs> this is power month at Rosie June on the House. First, Gosh, how did that happen already? Typically wow. the hottest month all year long. And all month long we're going to be talking about energy and the broadcast this hour is about where our energy comes from. How do we power well, comes the this, state of Arizona? It comes from this switch on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty convenient, isn't well, yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it is. Amen, brother. And and cheap. A, a lot of people, uh, and you're going to hear a lot of ads, people uh, save money, save money, save money, save money on your electric bill and your cost of power, but the the margins in there i mean to what extent is it beneficial to you the homeowner i've broken it down uh and we'll go through some of the numbers here but this month is or, or this week where the power comes from and the rest of the month we've got uh, verde valley solar our new partner out of cottonwood's going to join us we've got sun valley solar solutions out of gilbert's going to join us we're going to be talking about uh, power generation from some of the alternate energy sources, uh, solar, wind, methane, some of those things uh, throughout the broadcast, different devices that use solar uh, out of the National Hardware Show, all the different things that uh, 
that, that you can do with solar panels that have little readers. So it's the 10 o'clock hour all month long of June is, is the power month at Rosie on the House. Boy, there is just something naturally inquisitive to me about the whole concept of electricity. You know, I've arced more than one pair, more, more than one <laughs> screwdriver, pretty bad. And it's just a, it, it is, electricity is a naturally occurring mystery. It's a naturally occurring phenomena. And up until the mid-18th century, late 18th century, all we knew about it, uh, in the 1750s, Benjamin Franklin determined that static electricity off your hair and your clothes is the same energy as lightning. I mean, the first time the word electricity was used goes back to the 13th century, and it was a monk who had rubbed the wool robe that he was wearing and was trying to analyze what this static electricity force was. And then it basically goes unmentioned by any other human for 400 years. What they would have paid for a light bulb in the 1500s, right? Huh? <laughs> so Benjamin Franklin decides, you know what? There's a possibility that if we could define this, we could possibly harness it. And then if we could harness it, what would be available to us at that point? And I mean, he had no idea what a light bulb was. He had no idea what a photograph was. He just knew it was a tremendously huge energy source that somehow, some way, we'd figure out a way to get out of it what we needed. It's tremendously consistent. Uh, it's safe when you're not the when you're not the last leg of the connection. <laughs> When you make sure the ground wire is in place. Uh, and we've gone through, you know, the Ben Franklin era uh, in, the, in the 19th century and 20th century. Of course, we had George Westinghouse and Nikola Tesla and uh, Thomas Edison, all these people now generating. Oh, well, if if old Ben figures out we could control it and direct it, well, let's invent things to use it for. And you got all these guys inventing these electrical devices uh, and electricity. Now we have to figure out how to distribute it. And this is a great broadcast for t digital communication. Uh, people, when we talk power, when they get I mean, they're very passionate about it. A um, lot of emotion run, <laughs> running, a lot of misunderstanding. And this hour is primarily just going to be dialogue. But we've got text option at 411923, uh, email info at com. You could call in. We're probably not going to take calls this hour, but you can always call in 888 uh, 767 4348. That's 1888 Rosie for you. It's funny when radio broadcasting started, it was always just this very hard uh, rule that they would take. Don't let somebody call in, leave a comment, and go. They're not willing to talk on air. But all communication is so quick anymore. <laughs> that's that's generally how it how it's done. <laughs> Text has completely broken that rule down in an email. Um, 
And then we do have uh, – we've been very passive on our social media, and we are working to – now that we've got staffed up with uh, in-house personnel, there's only so many channels of communication we could monitor at any given time, but we've got – uh, some additional team and tools. So we've got you know, our, our Twitter account that we've had forever and our Facebook account that we've had forever. We're starting to engage those a lot more uh, just to meet people where they communicate. Amen. <laughs> so and all you, those channels are available with that to say. <laughs> and you know, Roby, just last weekend is a good example of this topic. It was Memorial Day. and Was that there, just last weekend? There was a power outage. And uh, everything was dead at the house. Your house? Yeah. You had a power outage at, at yeah. your house? Okay. And so Jennifer gets on her cell phone, and the original indication from the APS website was it was statewide. Well, she said, honey, this is a, this is a statewide power outage. I said, no, it can't be. <laughs> and so I said, well, you keep looking, and I threw my bug out bag in the back of the pickup truck and I was loading the dog kittles in the water. And I thought, hey, if there's a statewide outage, there's a reason for it and I'm getting out of I'm getting the, out of Dodge. The, what it would take to make a full state blackout, the system failures, is is unfathomable because you oh, have yeah. and uh, it, it would be through the distribution process. Oh. Not by the manufacturing process. And, well, and how many different manufacturers do you have? In Arizona? Right. We have a lot. We do. So for it to be a statewide shutdown, uh, and like you said, the, each manufacturer has their own distribution. So it would have to be multiple manufacturer breakdown. Now, APS and SRP do share lines here and there. Uh, they do share power here and there. They share ownership in Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant. You always think APS when you think of Palo Verde, but they've got seven owners, one of which is SRP. Uh, APS does have the operating license to use the plant, so it is APS employees that operate the power plant. But the and <laughs> the statewide failure. Um, well, it would be you, it would be uh, it's, there'd be you, some level of catastrophe, you know. But as I was loading the truck, I went back inside. I said, Jennifer, it's, if it was a statewide outage. The Verizon towers would be down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, or maybe they're they, maybe they fired up on generators, but it wasn't long after that the thing started getting updated. It it was an automobile accident that taken out a transformer in the area, and it wiped out a pretty good piece of the Northeast Valley. So, how long was that out? A couple hours. Yeah, and so you're you're sitting there in a mild spring day. You know, it wasn't uncomfortable. The windows were open, doors were open, and we were enjoying it. But by habit, you go over, you say, well, i got time to kill. Well, I'll, I'll see what's on the sports channel. Nothing. <laughs> you had to. Did you stream it on your phone then? <laughs> no. I went out to my bug-out bag and got my NOAA solar charge, hand crank, AM, FM radio, and, and I, I turned on the radio. All right, it's the power month here at Rosie on the House. This next segment, we're going to talk about the sources of power. We've got solar, nuclear, hydroelectric, natural gas, uh, coal, some wind. Some wind, yeah. And, and we'll, methane. And methane. And then we're going to be, then we'll talk uh, the rest of the half hour about the generation of that and the ultimate question. You've, you've heard, been asked before what comes first, the chicken or the egg? 
Well, for a lot of these, the question is what comes first, the water or the power? Our power hour here at Rosie on the House. Getting buzzed with Rosie on the House. (laughs) Or better yet, not getting buzzed, right? (laughs) We have a a number of different utility providers in Arizona. Um, It it would be hard to actually... I think there's 10. 10 or 11. Well, and... Different utilities. And you know what's not included in that are your independents like Barrett Propane. You know, that's not included. And they're delivering... Gas when you've got a propane tank on the outside of your home and you're using it. But I mean, you start adding up co ops that exist. I mean, it, it, it's more than that. But primarily, so there, there's about 10. You've got APS, SRP, uh, TEP, Tri Electric Co op. You have Unisource. Unisource. There is Sulphur Springs Valley Co op, uh, Navajo Tribal Utility Authority. And they use a combination of different methods to generate power. Which one do you want to start with? <laughs> well, we could start with coal. Uh, it has historically always been our largest supplier of electricity in Arizona. And you would think driving around the state looking at all the big dams that we have on the Salt and the Colorado River, that hydro would have you know just been so impressive. But coal has been historically our biggest source for manufacturing electricity, coal-fired generators. Now, we're losing one of those in December. They're shutting it down on the Davao Indian Reservation. Along with the only coal mine left That's right. in Arizona. But they're anticipating with how coal has been replaced by natural gas as now the number one leader that we will never even feel the little dip at all. And coal will continue to fall as an important criteria for manufacturing electricity. So then you've got natural gas. You'd mentioned that is coming on. So coal is right now about 30%? Yep. Just 10 years ago, it was 40%. <laughs> so they've really been whittling away at that. Uh, and then you've got uh, nuclear, I'm sorry, is is now the number one. I, mean, I said natural gas was nuclear. Nuclear is now the number one source at about at just one percent more than coal is like thirty what thirty thirty one percent, so Palo Verde's like edged its way into the leading position, the largest nuclear power plant in America, and of course now our largest power supply source in all of Arizona. Truly impressive plant. It is, and when you look at coal, natural gas, and nuclear, all of those do the exact same thing. And that's steam water to spin turbines. That's it. It's just how they're heating it. Are you heating the water with coal? Are you heating it with natural gas? Are you heating it with a nuclear reaction? And spinning those turbines that creates the electricity comes back to my question. That what comes first, water or power? Yeah, right. Because one of the most interesting things that I took away from our tour at Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant back in October was that Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant needs the grid to operate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They've got to turn all the lights on and start up the manufacturing process to manufacture more electricity. <laughs> They've got a power bill just like everyone else. <laughs> That's right. 
Exactly. <laughs> I haven't been able to figure out what that monthly power bill is. <laughs> Be curious to know how they power Palo Verde nuclear power plant. But the r- rotating turbines, whether by falling water in the hydroelectric situation or steam, uh, we could thank Nikola Tesla for that. Nikola Tesla is the one that unlocked the mystery of rotating magnetic fields that could create electricity. Uh, and that's that's basically an electric motor. You you get a magnetic field rotating in a field, harvest the static electricity that comes out of that through copper windings, and send her down the line, baby. So you've got water at Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant where there is no water. The only power plant that's not built on a body of water, whether it's a lake or a river, and they get their water source, as we've talked about here in the last couple of weeks a few times, from cities here in the Maricopa County area. You've got Goodyear, Scottsdale, I'm sorry, Glendale, Scottsdale, Phoenix, Tempe, and Mesa all ship their water <laughs> to a facility at 91st Avenue that's then shipped 36 miles through a pipe system to Palo Verde. And we're going to break down that water use of once <laughs> that water use once it gets there and how much water it creates, how much water is needed to generate the electricity we consume. And here's something funny to think about. If you're a Phoenix resident and you have a Phoenix water bill and a Phoenix power bill, you're paying for water twice. When you turn on your kitchen faucet and water's running down the sink, that water then goes to APS and it's powered to run the electricity that's powering the water pumps to pressurize the water from the city of Phoenix to get to your sink. So what comes first, the water or the electricity? (laughs) Well, I think they exist, could they coexist? But harnessing the electricity and manufacturing the electricity definitely depends on a water source of some type, something to get the machine rotating, for sure. Absolutely. More about the enigma, the the, uh, puzzling mystery of electricity and how it can become so convenient and so easy to take for granted at your house right here at Rosie on the House. That makes it go with pushing up. Electricity, electricity. Continuing our power hour here at Rosie on the House. Do you have any more for us? I like well, the I Get Buzz one last, <laughs> last intro. Getting buzz. Getting buzz. Getting buzz at Rosie on the House talking about where your Arizona electricity comes from. So the point I was trying to make with that, where what comes first, the water or the power? Well, it's not either. I mean, yes. We have the dams and the hydroelectric, but that's 10%. That would nowhere near sustain the entire state. That's right. The answer is coal and natural gas. You've got to have combustion somewhere to start the whole process. And the power that feeds uh, Palo Verde is combustion-based, natural gas, coal, because that is where you get your first reaction. Now, you need water and all aspects of it to steam and turn the turbines, 
but you've got your combustion as your base. And that's why coal and natural gas will never go away because we need those startups. Now, even if it's just to start up the nuclear power plant, it'll still exist for that. Well, there's a lot of time and energy spent by Arizona homeowners, particularly trying to beat their summer electric bill. And you would think that because of our summers, we might be one of the higher consuming per capita states in the union, but we're not. We're the 14th most populous state, but we're ranked 43rd, 43rd in our power consumption. That's because we have the other nine months, you know, while while they're trying to keep the ice out of the windows (laughs) in Minnesota and Wisconsin and Michigan, we've got the doors and windows open, you know. So, and the winters are longer than the summers here. Absolutely. And we have a fairly small industrial sector. You know, we don't have a big industrial complex in, in, uh, like a big in the state of Like a big Pittsburgh Steel or a big Portland Cement or, or, yeah, or auto manufacturing or anything like that. So it's the convenience of being able to turn the thermostat wherever you want it, being able to turn the light switch on and off, and it all comes from the reliability of the electricity that is produced by about 10 or 10 or 11 utility companies all across the state of Arizona. We're talking about the energy sources, and about a third comes from nuclear, a third comes from coal, and a third comes from natural gas. And then we've got solar and wind and other that make up altogether, added together, and hydro. the last 10 to 12 percent. So that's... That's a good variety of, of supplies. It gives us some, some insurance redundancies against any one particular supply not being available. So I like that. Well, and the backups to the backups that they have, and I'm sure most power plants are like this, but when we were at Palo Verde, that's the only one I can speak to uh, as seeing it, the amount of backups they have to the backups is – Phenomenal, And the supply chain that they have to, okay, if this ever broke down, we've got this amount of time using this alternate source while we repair this to get our main primary source refunctioning, whether it's, oh, the water supply, the power supply. You know, if the power plant that supplies them went down, you know, the generators and the gas that they store on site to run – the op, the plant operations and then the supply that supplies that I mean yeah. it's it's a phenomenal uh, it is process and and because it exists we are the 14th most, most populous state in the union we have lots of land too I don't know size wise where we're at but we're I, I think we're know. even higher than 14th but on our tour two weeks ago now at the water resource department for Palo Verde, a couple big lakes. Our tour is not like it's not like just a take of water. No, it's like two giant lakes. And they have two water supplies. One that's super purified. That's the steam inside the turbine because you know they don't want any mineral deposits or calcium buildups in the turbines. That's they say it's so pure if you drank it, it would dehydrate you because it would suck the minerals out of your body. And then, and that's being purified from city affluent water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it can't be done. <laughs> the water in the lake is used to cool the nuclear reaction and the chilling towers where the water is, because the very center of that reaction is two thousand degrees. And by the time it gets out 
uh, outside of that core, it's down to 500. And they do that with water because it's all underwater where this nuclear reaction is taking place. So how much water are we using to create that electricity out of the nuclear power plant? It took me a little while, and I've got some numbers uh, put together. And one thing that they said on that tour, our tour guide, Jill, the communications director, she said, you know, I spend a lot of time going around to different news sources and answering questions to different reporters, different news agencies, outlets about power and how it's generated and how to use it and best manage it and maintain your power bills. And she goes, Rosie's the only one that gets it. If they would just go back and listen to that broadcast, she had April 27th about supercooling. Rosie gets it and no one else gets it. They get so stuck on the why is my bill and, and rate going up and instead of just learning, well, how do you how to utilize that rate? Just <laughs> this past week, Arizona Central published two articles stating that APS and SRP customers, over half of them, are on the wrong rate plan. Which is over probably half true. half of them are on the wrong rate plan. At the next home show, I'm just going to rent a booth, and I'm going to charge $10 to analyze everybody's power bill, and I'm going to sit there with a calculator and a Zillow computer map, and you can bring me your power bill, I'll Zillow your house, and I'll be able to tell you how to save... $200 in the next two months if you'll just do what I tell you to do. And half the customers are on the wrong plan after we've been touting this for how many decades? And you're not doing that by selling them something. That's right. That the money you're saving them isn't by this product. That's right. You don't have to buy it's one not thing. put this in your attic. It's not... Uh, you know, one free, upgrade to this new unit. <laughs> one free phone call. <laughs> All right, so I've got a City of Phoenix water bill here. Uh, this month, it was about 40,000 gallons, 39,644 to be exact, of water gallons used. That's probably low for most. Ooh, um, I think that's high. Is that high? I think that's high. Oh, you know what? I'm looking at it. Yeah, it is high. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm looking at this year versus last year. Oh. Okay. And, yeah, there was a lot more on this property used in May this year over last year. But we'll save that aside. 40,000 gallons was 250 bucks. That's .006 per gallon or 60 cents per 100 gallons to put it into perspective. Pretty cheap. Yeah. But you know what Palo Verde's? bill is for their water a year their water they get a water bill they get a water bill from the reclamation site okay where all of these city municipalities tunnel their water okay. to all right and tunnels to uh aps okay we'll send it to you clean but you're gonna pay for it 10 billion dollars no no 10 billion <laughs> gallons is delivered. What would ten billion gallons cost? At six cents, at six cents, sixty cents a hundred. I'm not sure. I'm capable of that. Well, they've math. got a little different rate. Yeah, yeah it's, I it's about one point three million dollars is what they spend annually to get the water. Wow, the affluent water to to run the generation station. Now, Ruby, do they re? Once they've gone through all that expense of purifying it to that degree, is there any a, a Ability to collect the condensation 
and reuse it? No. What they do is they say every drop of water gets used about 15 times through the system. At Palo Verde? At Palo Verde. Uh, and that's through... That's pretty, ch- I would say that's pretty efficient. Very, very. <laughs> and that's just recycling the water through the chilling towers. And after a certain amount of time and going through the reactive pool, that water is then pumped out to their evaporation ponds. When you see, if you've ever driven by uh, Palo Verde or if you're on I-10 out in Tonopah you saw steam coming up, that's not like a coal-generating plant where it's the burnoff. That's steam from the chilling towers. You don't see anything from a nuclear reaction. It's all inside the containment center. Those, those steams are just the moisture in the air reacting with the temperature of the chilling towers. So how much water does it then generate? How much water, how many gallons of water does it then take to generate electricity? Depending on the time of year, because evaporation has a big part in, in this process through the chilling towers, but it averages about seven to 800 gallons of water to generate a megawatt. Okay, well, that's a lot of power. Okay, my house. That's a lot of is, power. This is my bill. I used 220 kilowatts. kilowatts. There's 1,000 megawatts. <laughs> kilowatts. There's 1,000 kilowatts and one megawatt. And breaking that down, that's about uh, 0.8 gallons. All right, so how much water does APS need to power the Whitman Ranch? <laughs> um, you could carry it in two buckets. We use about uh, 67 kilowatts a day, and that's about 53 gallons of water per day. About 1,600 gallons per month, and that comes out to about 16 cents a gallon of water that's required for the generation of of the power for your for your property. And this is not extracting just the cost of manufacturing electricity. This includes all the other fees on top of it. If you pulled out just my use of on-peak and off-peak electricity. That's $68. There's another $190 in <clears throat> all the other charges that come on to it. Funding the bureau- – it's called funding the bureaucracy. <laughs> and taxes, <clears throat> fees, surcharges. Oh, well, and then the environmental uh, benefits surcharge, the federal transmission cost adjustment, the federal transmission and ancillary services, the LFCR adjuster, the tax adjuster. So when we're looking at these high bills, we've got to pull out really what we're consuming in energy because – and I don't mind paying the distribution charge. It doesn't got be to. no good got to. for them I, to generate it at Palo Verde if I can't use it that's right. 80 miles away in Whitman. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. You know, those things don't – aren't that big a deal. It's just part of the cost of doing business. So you're saying if you really want to beat the bad, you've got to understand your power bill enough to know that there's just some things they're stuck with. <laughs> you know, they're just told this will be on your bill. To the consumers, harnessing the electricity and manufacturing the electricity definitely depends on a water source of some type, something to get the machine rotating, for sure. Absolutely. More about the enigma, the the uh, puzzling mystery of electricity and how it can become so convenient 
and so easy to take for granted at your house right here at Rosie on the House. Electricity, where it comes from, how it's made. It's the reason you're able to listen to us on whatever radio listening device that you might currently be using. And I understand, Robert, the stats say that uh, half the radio consu- half the radio broadcast consumers now are streaming the audio. Uh, Is it that high? I don't know. Wow. It would. It. Hmm. 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 I have not seen that stat, but I do know that they see a big resurgence in audio because of the Alexa-type services that are in the home that people are using, that they're oh. streaming in their kitchens now. Oh. Um, and the vehicles, you know, I, I, I don't know. Well, I still like holding a newspaper, <laughs> and I still like getting the direct oh. broadcast, watching the Indy 500 I, I don't have my outside TV connected to the main distribution box. So I have to go on a NBC app to get the streaming NBC. <laughs> so on my back patio, we were streaming the Indy 500, and in the living room, we were watching it on live broadcast. I liked the, I went back and forth, back and forth. I like the live options. broadcast better. <laughs> the You like which one? The live broadcast. You know, uh, not TV, but radio and newspaper, the nice thing about both of those is there's nothing that goes backwards to the source. When you're listening to radio, that's the end of the transmission. Well, I've been telling people for years that we have a camera <laughs> on their radio. When you, radio cam. I can see what they're doing during our show. When the paper is <laughs> delivered to your house, there's nothing that goes back that says what you did or didn't read. All those things that you do online, that's getting tracked yeah. and data farmed. And, you know, I, I like being um, where just fe- not feeling like constantly watched because you do something streaming. And if there's a chance that a sponsor can or an advertisement yeah. can pop in related to something that happened and it's just all this this very complicated clutter that happens there. So I, I like the. <clears throat> the terrestrial termination in. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. I, I was doing a small example of that as I was doing a small research on how to completely and totally, absolutely, 100%, without question, annihilate a pomegranate tree that I've been trying to kill for four years. <laughs> well, you know, in my internet research, now every pomegranate tree uh-huh. producer yeah. <laughs> in America <laughs> trying to sell you is trying to sell me a pomegranate tree. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're so, talking about the power sources. How in Arizona, I think we ought to congratulate all the utility companies because, you know, without the reliability of the grid that's been established and with the foresight of our forefathers with the hydroelectric and the power distribution lines that have been established, it would be, it would take a little bit more rugged individual to survive the southern half of Arizona than most of the people that currently live there. Now, I'm not I'm not bad talking to anybody. It's just that's the facts. It's it's hard to be comfortable at 150 degrees, even if it is only for a month. And I'd like to thank Jill Hanks and Rick Lane from APS 
They were at both of the first two tours, uh, one of the actual reactor where we got to go inside the belly of the beast, uh, then the second one where we went and saw the water. Then the third one we were at this week, the distribution center where they decide how much power to send down oh, God. what line at one time. And Jill was on us all three of those, um, and Jacob was our director at the distribution office. So now that I've seen that on the APS side, I want to go see – the, the hydroelectric at the dams. I want to see the natural gas and SRP and TEP. At when you sounds like fishing trip to Powell. <laughs> I'm you, ready. Let's go. These ferry. We, we, we got to see it down at the base. Yeah, we we could squeeze a visit to the dam in on that. When you see it firsthand, and you understand the amount of work that goes into this, and how convenient it is on the user side, and how affordable it is. Uh, on, on the grand scheme of things, it's you know it, it it connects you with you know what's creating a modern lifestyle for us here, and you have much more of an appreciation for the work that they do because something that every single employee at every single power company has in common with you, they want their bill as cheap as possible too. That's right, <laughs> exactly. So we'll end this conversation on the source of electricity with a Cajun joke. Oh. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is all you, Dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, there's two Cajuns playing dominoes down at the drugstore, Boudreaux and Thibodeau. And they're talking about themselves, between themselves, about what the fastest thing in the world is. And Boudreaux says, oh, Thibodeau, I'm going to tell you this right now. The fastest thing in the whole world is electricity. He says, Kasha, I can walk over to that switch right there, and as fast as I can throw that switch on and off and on and off, that light bulb comes on and off and on and off. And Thibodeau's checking out his next Domino's move, and he's thinking about what Boudreau had to say, and Thibodeau leans back in his chair, and he says, no, Boudreau, I don't think so. He says, the fastest thing in the world is a thought, because before you could even thought, to go over there and turn that light on, the thought's in your head. The thought is faster than electricity. So, by the greatest minds found on Bayou Tesh in South Louisiana, the fastest thing in the world is the thought. But very close second to that is electricity. And again, we'd like to thank all the utility companies in Arizona for doing such a fabulous job in providing safe, reliable electricity through the multiple sources that they've diverted, diversed their reliance on. And next week we're going to be talking about solar, one of two, solar and wind, that don't require water for uh, generation past the manufacturing of the equipment. 